You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I'm your host, Connor Livesy, joined by my co-host tonight, Joey Ikes. Uh, we are working off a 30-10 to 10 victory. Uh, the Cowboys took down the Jets 30-10 to 10 in Week 2. Uh, they are moving on to Week 3 to face the 0-2 Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this Jets game, and they get uh, focused up and moving on to this Cardinals game uh, as well. Before we get going, Joey, how you doing, man? Man, it's a great time to be a Cowboys fan, I'll tell you that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about this Jets game. Get going into some of the things this team's doing well. Um, you know, there's been some some talks and some things we want to see improve on. So we'll get a, we'll get into some of that stuff as well. But uh, man, it was I, I got to pat myself on the back. I think I did predict the score to be thirty to ten, and I don't do that often. Um, I think we closed it out last week. You know, kind of going back and forth on that a little bit, but. Um, that was that was kind of how I saw the game going down. Just watching the Jets on tape from week one, I just thought there was ways that this team could exploit them on offense. Um, I thought after like not really doing much on offense in week one, they'd probably try to come out and you know stick their chest out a little bit and and maybe be a little. I mean, they weren't. I wouldn't say they were over aggressive in that game, but they came out that first series and looked like, oh, this is the number one ranked defense in the league. <laughs> here's this and just kind of puff their chest out a little bit. So that was fun to see. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that, like I said, I mean, it, they got conservative kind of late in the game, you know, midway through the game uh, played it a little safer with, with after seeing how the jets were able to pull out a victory in week one against Josh Allen. But um, the start of that game, the, the way the defense played, it's just, as you stated to start, it's just, there's a lot of things to be happy with if you're a Cowboys fan. Yeah, man, it's like, there and it's almost hard to talk about this team right now because it's hard to imagine. Like, I think it's uh, I think they have the highest EPA per play total ever through two games or something. Like the highest DVOA, like total DVOA ever, or like there's some like some crazy things happening with this team right now. And it's hard because it's like, you know, they're not going to blow teams out by 20 or 30 points every week. That's just not how the NFL works. But it's hard to look at this team and say, oh, yeah, that's going to be the reason why they start playing close games. Because, like, I mean, maybe some turnover luck. Like, this is two weeks in a row that Tyler Biotish has been right in the right perfect spot to recover a fumble. But part of that is, like, 
every single play, Tyler Biotish is sprinting down the field behind the ball. Every play, yeah. and he has been for years. So maybe it's not necessarily pure luck that he's going to run down the field and be right there for a fumble. And so, like I said, it's just it's just awesome to to be a fan of this team right now and to see what they are what they are capable of when things are clicking, which is exactly what they are right now. And maybe they won't be for the rest of the year. Teams will get tape on, you know, the how the how they're handling this uh, this new version of the offense and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but for right now, man, it's it's pretty crazy how efficient they are. Yeah, I mean it's cliche, but it just you know this team feels different than it has in years past. I mean even even these last couple of years when they've been good, there's been a lot of yeah this team's really good, but you know the, there was always something. But you know they don't have enough pass catchers, or but the offensive line's not going to be there, but the defense you know the corner depths you know that was the thing last year's corner depth was really falling apart towards the end and and that can all happen. I mean we're still going into week three. There's a lot of season left, but you look at the team right now and you go okay they have the pass catching depth they have the tight end depth they have the offensive line depth they have the depth at corner so there's just we haven't run into that period of time and i'm sure it's going to come at some point this season where you have something to say after that but but right now it's i don't know where that but is my my you know we'll, we'll get into this because I, it was a discussion on twitter and i was having and, and really it was we we're talking somebody had replied to a tweet of mine and was like what you know, like, I can't remember what I said, but, you know, it was like after I was talking about predicting the score 30 to 10, then kind of puffing their chest out against the Jets. And they're like, so what's the negatives that we want to talk about? And uh, I think it was somebody like being sarcastic because I'm always kind of pessimist about everything. Well, I, I, like to call it, I, I like to call it being a realist, but uh, a lot of people like to call it pessimism. So um, I was like, you know, hey, if there's one thing that I think this team can get better at, it's you know, some of the play calling down in the red zone, I think they get too conservative at times. And, it, you know, we talked about it and it was a lot of that's because they've been winning by two, three, four scores in these points. But, you know, there's some like my biggest issue in week two was when it was 18 to 10. They ran the you know, they they ran a jet sweep to Peyton Hendershot. They ran the ball to Rigo Dowdle. They threw an incomplete pass and they kicked the field goal on on goal to go. And I was like, yeah, that, I didn't like that, you know, and is it nitpicking? Absolutely. But, you know, as we get paid and we do to talk about this team, the good and the bad, you know, I think it's important to bring up that stuff. And while I think you never want to seem like you're complaining when your team's doing that, I just think it's little things that we should mention because in three weeks from now, when they go play the 49ers, if the same issues are cropping up, we want to be able to you know, say, hey, this is stuff that we noticed early in the season that we still want to see improve on if this team's going to make the run that we think they're capable of doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things where, like, you mentioned when they're up, you know, 18 to 10 and they're in the red zone, and it's like really and truly right there, if you really wanted to, you could put that team down 15 points and the game is right. over right absolutely. there. But the other side of that coin is you're only up eight at that point. If you – let's say you go for the, the score there and you don't score. Now all of a sudden there's a bunch of big momentum. It's 18 to 10, you know, in the middle of the third quarter. And who knows what happens from there. They hit one big play and now all of a sudden it's it's a tie game essentially. 
they hit one big play and a two-point conversion, it's a tie game. Um, I think the the red zone stuff is a little bit interesting to me because it harkens back, and we've heard some folks talk about this a little bit. It goes back to me to, you know, we heard Mike McCarthy say stuff about like, you know, I've been where Kellen Moore is, right. where all he wants, where he wants to light up the scoreboard, and I want to win the game, and you know, and I'm included in this. Like we scoff at that conversation a little bit, absolutely, where it's like. Well, doofus, the best way to win the game is to light <laughs> up the scoreboard. Absolutely. But but the other side of that coin is he's he's not just coaching an offense. He's coaching a football team. Sure. And when you have a defense playing at this level, if they just – and they showed it, like just keep putting three points on the board every time you go down the field. This team's not going to catch you if you put points on the board – four drives in a row in the second half, they're not going to catch you when you're already up by a touchdown and an extra point. And the only way that they've scored is your safety took a poor angle and missed a tackle. And then in the two-minute drive to start the half, the quarterback scrambled four times and put him in field goal range. Like that stuff is not sustainable across the second half. That game was over midway through the second quarter, and I think he knew it, and so he played that way. Right. And and the other side of that coin is we are only in week two. And we do have the San Francisco 49ers who play a very similar style of defense to this in week five. And then there's a pretty good chance we see that same San Francisco 49ers team turn around in January and get ready to play them. And we see the Eagles who, you know, play a relatively similar style of defense. And, the the commanders, all, all these teams that play these fronts that, or this defense that depends on the front to get pressure and all that kind of stuff, we play all those teams. And so why would we put something on tape out there in a game we've already won, essentially? If, if we just don't make the big mistake, we're going to smoke this team. And they did. They won 30 to 10, like – it, they won. I'll say it this way: they won by twenty points, and they kicked five field goals in the second half. Right, and I think I think that's the people like. And again, like I don't want to get lumped into this because I'm not complaining whatsoever. I think we've both made it pretty clear on here the last four to five shows that like we think this team, if not the best team in the league, they're one of. And if you don't have them as one of, we think you're crazy. So by no means are we coming on here and be like this team's not any good. Like they're just playing blah blah blah. What all the shows are doing. I think the people who are maybe a little frustrated are just, as you said, like, okay, we settle for these field goals against the Jets and the Giants, but when San Francisco rolls around, when Philly rolls around, is that going to be the same thing? And that that's where the conversation comes in. Is is this because they're up big and they know they have the game in the bag, or is this signs of things to come? And I think that's where the conversation comes in. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that, like, if you look early in games, right, like, the uh, the touchdown that wound up going to Luke Schoonmaker, like that's like a really neat design with a lot of traffic created in the middle of a really tight area that then squeezes a guy out the backside, and and you get a touchdown over there. And then Dak wound up taking a sack on a play that I think it was a third down, second or third down play, and uh, and he it's like a boot action to the right. And you could very clearly tell they tried to leak a guy back out to the left for him to throw it all the way back across the end zone. 
and and the Jets covered it up. And so he kind of ate it and tried to run out and make a play. And maybe you want him to throw that ball away, but that Dak's going to try to make the play, right? Um, and he he winds up getting sacked. You see some things from a design standpoint for me. Like, I have seen the Kansas City Chiefs hand the ball to Blake Bell on a jet sweep at the goal line and him score a touchdown and everybody rave about Andy Reid, the, the creative offensive coordinator at the goal line. So then Mike McCarthy does the same thing and hands it to Peyton Hendershot and the best run defense in the league, or the, one of the best defenses in the league tackles him before he crosses the goal line. And it's, why are we giving the jet sweep to Peyton Hendershot? That's me. It's I'm like, not going to lie. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, and it happens because, you know, I saw it and I was like, oh, that's a neat design. Like I've seen, I've seen teams do that. And, you know, my philosophy at the goal line like that is that the easiest way to score is to get to the edge as fast as freaking possible. It, it, like, the, the easiest way to score in the world is the front pylon. Mm-hmm. And so, like, whether it's a jet sweep or a play action and throw it to the fullback or whatever, that's, like, the most efficient, least risky, best way to score. And that was what they were trying to do is they're trying to get to the edge right now. And the Jets played it perfectly. and it, And it's, like, that's a really good defense. It's been really good for a while. And have they have one of, if not the best, like, you know, non-Aaron Donald defensive tackle in the league playing for them. And like seven edge rushers that are all NFL quality dudes. So I'm not getting tied up in that kind of stuff when we just saw a team that was clearly better than the Jets lose to the Jets late in a close game because they took too many risks trying to blow the Jets out. Yeah. And so – And and like I said, like not to – I keep defending it like I'm on that side, and I'm truly I, – I want to preface this by saying I'm not. I would say the only argument that people – and I guess my argument, I'll say that, like am I on that side of the fence? No, but if, if I was, my argument would be – and my argument to some people on you know social media was simple. It was like – Hey, when I'm down the red zone, I'd rather throw the ball to Tony Pollard or, you know, hand the ball to Tony Pollard, throw it to CeeDee Lamb or, you know, run that read. And again, like what you said is the other side of the coin where it's like, maybe they don't want to show that yet. Maybe they don't want to show the red zone package because it's 18 to 10. They feel like this game's put away. But that was my biggest criticism, I guess, from that game is just you got down the red zone and it was like they were they kept trying to feed Peyton Hinton. They, they, they ran the jet sweep with Peyton Hendershot and they ran it with Rico Dowdle. Um, and it, you know, was fail, fail, and then incomplete pass. And then, you know, I was just, I, I want the, and those spots in, in week five against San Francisco, they're down there. They're, they might throw it to CD Lamb. You know, obviously Brandon Cooks wasn't available. Brandon Cooks, Tony Pollard. And then you're going, okay, cool. That stuff in week two. Yeah. Just them being, and there's also the, the there's also the dynamic of in the second half, you've got your third left guard playing left guard sure. against what is one of the best defensive tackle groups in the league. And, like you said, maybe you don't want to pull out your best scheme stuff in that scenario, have it not work because it gets blown up by a defensive tackle over an undrafted free agent rookie left guard. And now, but now it's out there on tape, whether it worked or not. And you don't get the, you don't get the benefit of the surprise later. You don't get the benefit of the execution or any of it. And, and maybe there's just the fact that like, they feel really good about when you've got Tyler Smith at left guard, just being able to line up and freaking beat you at the goal line. And to be honest, the way Tyron Smith is playing, the way Zach Martin and, and Terrence still are playing, they probably should feel like that once Tyler Smith is back. But it's they just haven't had it yet. And the other side of that coin is 
weren't they like five of seven on touchdowns on offense last like <laughs> they did incredibly well last week on efficiency of putting touchdowns on the board and so you know we're making a whole big to do about really what is the second half and like taking those field goals there in the second half of that game where you kicked four field goals in a row on drives mostly off of turnovers and you know and one of them was a 21 yard field goal like you literally kicked an old school extra point right. as a field goal it on that play you're talking about that series you're talking about and so I get it to a certain extent of why that would be concerning to some folks, but like they also, they showed a quarterback sneak on fourth down last week against the giants that they didn't call at the goal line this week. They like there, I think there's plenty there to feel okay. And this team has been pretty darn good at scoring touchdowns the last couple of years. I'm not all that worried about it, especially when you got a defense that is not going to let anybody score ever, pretty much at this point. Yeah, it's kind of sad that the one thing I guess you could say people are were you know talking about as being a complaint is like we wish these games were closer to know if the play calling is going to actually be this conservative or not. <laughs> right, but like I mean, it's just crazy how like. You know, they asked Micah Parsons, like, hey, when did you know you could take over this game? He's like, Monday. Yeah. It's like, this game was over before the Jets landed in Dallas. This game was over. And I guess that's where the, like, this team feels different part comes in. Cause yeah. I mean, and again, like, I'm not trying to make it sound like this by any means, but, like, I felt like even last week, there was a ton of people who were like, Oh, it's Zach Wilson, but like this is going to be a close game. Like that was a like people who aren't pretending like that was a conversation are crazy because like it was. Hey, can this team score on the Jets' defense? And can this defense, you know, keep the game close enough to where you know if the Cowboys only score seventeen points, can they win seventeen to ten? Like that was the big shows. You know, a lot of people who do, you know. Some, podcast with the teams we're talking about how this this was going to be a close game and while I never felt that way like we're just used to this team not always just blowing out the opponents they should blow out like not always winning the games that we feel confident in them winning and so like that's where the whole this team feels a little different comes into place because there's been plenty of years and games and weeks where you go into it and you go this game shouldn't be close and then it's halftime and it's nine to seven and the Cowboys haven't been able to get in the end zone, and you're going, how in the hell is this a football game right now? But Yeah, exactly. In 2023, it's over by the time halftime. I mean, even even coming out of halftime, it was 18 to 10 what, out of halftime, and, like, it just didn't – I think I tweeted it at halftime. I was like, I can't believe people thought this game was going to be, you know, like even close because it, it, it was an eight-point game. It was a one-possession game, and it just didn't even feel like it, you know? Even when it was 7 to 10. It was like, this game is not close. Right. Like, the way this game has gone so far, there's no way this this Jets offense puts any semblance of sustainability on the field at all. And sure enough, nothing. <laughs> Literally zilch in the second half. <laughs> Just silly how good they were. Yeah. How good the Cowboys defense was in the second half. And so, like, I'm – And I, I'm, I'll i say this, and then we, we can wrap up week, week two, but – I'm 
and maybe we did talk about this last week because I felt like it was a topic of conversation, but like I'm so tired of hearing about how the Cowboys can't stop the run. Yeah. They've been good at stopping the run since Leighton Vander Esch got back to being healthy and they traded for Jonathan Hankins. Like yep. the 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 narrative that the Cowboys are a bad run defense is just wrong. <laughs> yeah, it it's like and, and not only that. But the combination of the way this team plays, like, you know, they hired this big analytics team, right? And I, I part of me loves this. They hired this big analytics team, and you see it play out on things like taking the, the penalty on the extra point try and going for two instead of taking it on the kickoff. Like, you know you're kicking the kickoff through the back of the end zone anyway. So you're, you know, maximum you're making it a five-yard penalty. Why not make it a one-point penalty, Right. Right. So like they they do that, but then the other side of the coin is they win the coin toss and they say, "All right, we're going to take the ball and we're going to take this defense that you guys think is as good as ours, and we're going to walk this ball down the field on them and make them look inept all the way down the field until we score a touchdown, and then we're going to stop you, and then we're going to go score more points, and before." you're halfway through the first quarter, it's going to be a two-possession game, and you're going to be in comeback mode. And then, like, then it's a freaking python that just chokes you out on defense. Like, if this team gets 10 points up on you, good luck. And, and, and I mean, truthfully, like I said, like, that's where, like, once this team gets seven points up, I mean, it's just like it doesn't feel like they need much of that, you know, point differential for you to just – I mean, because again, like years past, teams could stick to the run game. Like that was the thing. If they if teams could commit to the run game, you can beat the Cowboys because their defense can't stop the run. But it's like that just hasn't been the case since what week nine or ten last year when they traded for Jonathan Hankins. And I know he went out with an injury kind of right before the playoffs. But when Jonathan Hankins is on the field, and that's why a big reason why they drafted Mozzie Smith, also Diggy Zuwas turned into a really good run defender. The linebackers, um, when they're healthy, have been good. So it's just kind of like. What can you commit to as an offense playing the Cowboys defense right now? Because they're shutting down the running game outside of the first drive of the first game of the season when they were playing with their hair on fire and just looking to do hit anything that was moving that was wearing a blue uniform. And right. then, I mean, outside of that, it's just there hasn't been – I mean, it's not like San Francisco ran it down their throat last year in the playoff game. Like – Tampa couldn't yeah. run the ball at all. Like it's just we have a track record now of going. This defense is pretty damn good at stopping the run. They're a freak of nature when they're trying to stop the pass. So it's like, how do you score points against this team? What we talked about. You hope that the offense, Cowboys offense, turns the ball over a couple times and you can kick some field goals or score some touchdowns off of turnovers. If that doesn't happen, you're pretty much hoping for like the play that the Jets scored on, where a guy breaks a tackle and runs 67 yards, and that's your only hope. Yeah, because like, and, and you know, people talk about like how difficult the Eagles def or Eagles offense is to defend because if you put people at the line of scrimmage, if you put people commit to running the ball to stopping the run, they've got wide receivers that can beat most cornerbacks one on one. Yeah, it's like okay, I'll put Stephon Gilmore on one of them and Trayvon Diggs on the other one, yep. and I'll put Malik Hooker over the top, and we'll have eight dudes there to beat your five or six blocking. It will kick your butt up front because our dudes are pretty dang good too, even though your dudes are really good. Our dudes are maybe better. And 
our corners may be better than your receivers. And like from a from a a matchup standpoint, that's one of the like most difficult offenses in the league to match up with because of how good the offensive line is. And the other one is San Francisco, and San Francisco didn't do much on offense against them in the playoffs. Yeah. So like, and this team is. I think this team is. I don't know what's in the freaking water right now in the star, but this defense. Oh, oh my. Like oh, this, the, this team, like I mean, again, like an injury or two could happen in the next coming weeks and change it. But this team is significantly better than the team that the 49ers beat last year. Oh yeah, like like it's oh, not even close. Yeah, a lot. Yes. Like, and again, like you can say, well, the only big additions you had is Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. Well, those two are huge additions, and then you're seeing Oso Digizuwa take that jump. You're seeing Michael Parsons take another jump. Like you're seeing this offensive line play, in my opinion, the best ball it's played together in a while. And maybe that's the play calling and getting the ball out a little bit quicker that's helping that. But uh, I, I two weeks in, like this is. And we've been talking about this all offseason. This is just the most talented and the well, you know, the the best put together team that this team, the the organization's had in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, I'll say it this way: I'm looking at DVOA right now. Through two weeks, the Cowboys are number one in the league in DVOA. Shouldn't surprise you. At sixty three point three percent, and that's defensive adjusted value over average. There's all kinds of articles out there if you don't understand what DVOA is, but basically, the higher percentage, the better. The Cowboys DVOA is the highest in the league at sixty three point three. The next closest team is San Francisco at forty seven point three. So they are sixteen percentage points better than the next team. The fifth place team is Cleveland, and they are less than 16 points behind San Francisco at two. Like, this team is far and away, even adjusting for opponent, far and away the best team in the NFL right now, and it's not close. And, again, this does not mean – this, they're going to win the Super Bowl. It does not mean it will be this way for 17 games. More than likely, it will not be just because it's the NFL, right? That's the way it works. But, oh, my goodness. Like, I, I told some guys <laughs> during the game, like, Micah Parsons knew, like, whatever, lion, crawl, whatever. That is terrifying. <laughs> like, can you imagine – like somebody and they somebody responded to me with a with a gif of the girl from the ring like crawl like it can you, like that is like people talk about like the thunderclap in Minnesota and stuff like that but oh my like that man is it's terrifying how good he is and like the level of like the level that he is at all the time like he never comes down a level and what we have seen that do to the rest of the defense like it just pushes that group to a level that like there's no like Jaron Curse has played really well the last couple of years there's no way in any other environment anywhere he plays that well there's like so many of these guys there's no way they play as well as they're playing right now for Dallas anywhere else because nowhere else has number 11. And I don't care who you're talking about. 
I don't care if the last name is Garrett or Donald or Bosa or Watt or whatever. There's not a defensive player in the world better than Micah Parsons right now. And that combination of a quarterback who is playing at a truly elite efficiency level and a defensive player at that level, man, this team is – if you're an opponent, this team has to be terrifying right now. Because the one thing that you could sort of hang your hat on before was this team's going to do some silly things on offense from a scheme standpoint, a play-calling standpoint, and risk-taking standpoint. And there's a chance that they will they will get that you'll be able to to keep them off the board enough to score some points, get some short fields, score some points, and win the game. Right. And they've still won they've still won what seventy something percent of their games the last couple of years. And this is by a significantly better team than what they've had the last couple of years. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, yep. I mean, it's just. Like I said, they're 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 playing at another level right now, and they got Arizona coming up this week. Uh, Three twenty-five kick. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on this game; just a couple minutes. Um, Arizona, obviously, zero and two, um, playing a little feistier than I think a lot of people thought they would. I mean, Josh Dobbs is actually playing pretty decent at the quarterback position. Uh, we saw Josh Dobbs last year; he you know got the spot start for Tennessee. Um, and, and played, you know, relatively well in that game too, being that he had just gotten there the week of. And, um, again, um, it, you know, not to turn this into a Cardinals, Cardinals podcast, but, like, got to give Josh Dobbs a little bit of credit. Like, he, the, the few spot starts he's gotten over the, the you know, last year or two, he's, he's done a good job. Um, I think he'll give the Cowboys a little bit different look. You know, a guy who's a little bit more mobile – um, well, maybe you try to use his legs a little bit more, but a guy who's also just standing there and kind of making the the routine throw, not trying to do too much. Um, but, I mean, again, with the way this team's playing, with the state of the Cardinals roster and offense and defense, the side of the ball, like this one, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me if this one's like a 24 to – six game you know like not as bad as they beat up on the Giants and the Jets the last couple weeks but like this one's gonna be a a bloodbath for the the Cardinals I would imagine (laughs) yeah I mean there's a chance like if I was if I was Mike McCarthy I might would put Trey Lance on the 46 instead of having him be the emergency quarterback for this game yeah let him get some work and it's like it's little things like put him in there and have him run a quarterback sneak at the goal line or something like that, just to make people think about it. Like just to make people think, well, what the crap else do they have for this guy out there that he's been waiting for two or three weeks to show us? And because I don't know, man, I have a feeling this thing is this thing might get ugly in in a hurry because like. The thing of yes, you got to give Josh Dobbs a ton of credit, right? Like he's bounced around the league a ton of places, you know, and he's got he's one of those guys that has options outside of football he could have jumped to career wise and not had to take, you know, the physical punishment of training camps and all that other kind of stuff. But he's hung around the league and he finally got himself an opportunity to like he's a starting quarterback in the NFL at this yeah. point. And that's awesome. Like to, to go through what he's got, it's sort of not to the same level, but like 
what we saw with Geno Smith last year, where like a guy comes out of relatively nowhere, becomes a starter, and you know has a great year. Not Josh Dobbs isn't there, but the main reason he got this starting job is because of the way he played against the Cowboys last year. And I don't know if you figured this out about this team the way that I have. This team takes stuff personal, like everything, whether it's what some dude like you or me is saying about him on Twitter or what happened in a prior game or what happens on an individual play during the game. Like they take this crap personal. Like you see Malik Hooker like retweeting videos of people saying that the Jets were going to run for 200 on them. And like part of me is like, okay, the internet stuff is, you know, kind of silly. But they take stuff personal. And I there's zero doubt in my mind that some of like the defensive meetings right now feature Dan Quinn standing in front of the room showing some plays from Josh Dobbs on a Thursday night in Tennessee with like three days notice that he was gonna start <laughs> and uh and putting up some numbers on this team. And um I just the Cardinals offensive line is a mess. We, we've talked about how, you know, teams just can't run the ball on them right now. And that's the best thing the Cardinals do is James Conner running the ball. They're not going to be like, this thing could get real ugly in a hurry. And I mean, and I don't, I'm usually the guy that, like, you know, all the games are close and whatever there's a chance that at least the next two weeks, they just blow these teams out and that it's, it's over by halftime. And I, I can't I, think I, of a time I've, I've ever felt that way in the NFL. We'll, we'll get to this one next week, obviously, but I'm interested to see how this Patriot games go just because we've seen, we've seen Bill Belichick and that defense, you know, give Miami and then give, you know, the Eagles a little bit of, little bit of struggle so you know like I'm interested to see you know and again like I think the Jets defense and Robert Sala are probably a notch above where that that Patriots defense is but I'm interested to see next week you know kind of if they can come out beat the Jets defense up you know take care of the Giants and the the Cardinals and then come out and beat up the Patriots defense I mean, they they'd be rolling. I mean, I, they'd be rolling high going into that San Francisco game, which is great. Um, but man, if they can, if, if they're five and zero after these these five weeks, man, like we're gonna be at an all time high with this team. And like, obviously, they're not gonna go seventeen and zero more than likely. Like, you almost hope that they lose a couple games along the way to reignite that fire a little bit. But man, like, they if they finish these first five games five and zero, there's gonna be a it's going to need a a lot of weight to slow down that train because it's going to be hot and heavy for sure. But, like, even the – you know, we'll get to New England next week, but, like, I don't see how New England scores three points against this team. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, like, I don't either. And, and, you know, normally, like, defense is super volatile and you can't trust defense year over year and all that other kind of stuff. Throw all that crap out the window with this group. Like, this team is going to shut people down. And there's going to be just a handful of teams that have a legitimate chance because of the dude they have playing quarterback or because of the guy they have calling offensive plays that gives them a chance. And, you know, they'll have a little string of those things where they have San Francisco, then the Chargers, and then the Rams, which I don't worry about the Rams as much because I think the, the personnel 
the talent differential will be too much for the Cowboys defense against their offense. Right. And then the Eagles, like that's four games in a row with like really good, solid offensive play callers, really good offensive personnel. Those teams are going to score some points on the Cowboys. But like after that, you got the Giants, the Panthers, the Commanders, and then the Seahawks. Like they may not give up 20 points in four games in that stretch. And they may not give up I – mean, this is going to sound crazy. They may not give up 20 points in the first four games. Because, like, I don't see how Arizona scores very much on them. And I don't see how New England scores very much on them. They just don't have the – they don't have the weapons. They don't have the 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 depth of talent or the offensive play caller to, to scare me with the way this defense is playing. And that, to me, is the difference with this team. Is that, like, there's not a worry of, like, oh, well, you know, this guy could go off. It's like they just went against – yes, it was Zach Wilson playing quarterback, but like Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, like there's some players on that Jets offense. There's a reason why with Aaron Rodgers they were one of the Super Bowl favorites. And they just like – they did nothing Yeah, for 99% of that game. One missed tackle where it was a 30-3 to game. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean truthfully, again, two weeks in, there's – like two teams in the NFL that I feel like match up well versus this Cowboys defense. And I say well as in like you don't think that they're going to get destroyed because they have one of them, San Francisco. They have a really good running back. They have a really good tight end, and they have two to three weapons at receiver that, you know, they might be able to scheme against your corners. Um, Debo Ayuk whoever else they want to put in that they can do some package stuff to make things a little difficult. And then outside of that, I mean, again, we talked about earlier, but like I still think Philly and the the quarterback run game has been something that we still need to see this team do a little bit, you know, better with. I thought they did a good job with Daniel Jones and, you know, they had some lapses in that against Zach Wilson going in that halftime, but I think more so they were just trying to get the clock to run out. But um, there's like two teams, like I said, like, Buffalo's on the schedule. Um, they do have Miami this year. I think that could be an interesting one just with the way that they move their guys around pre-snap and then the speed that they just have. We haven't seen, you know, that's two things that these two corners might not be the best at, and that's running with these, you know, super speedy receivers. Um, but even then, I still think that they can hold their own against – I mean, th- that's just the thing is like – Honestly, it's probably Miami and San Francisco that scare me the most because Miami gets the ball out super fast and they get explosive plays. And that's when you're getting explosive plays at the rate they are at how quick they're getting the ball out, that's tough to defend with anybody. But if there's anybody that can do it, I think it's this Cowboys defense. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's a stretch. You know, we talked about the stretch coming up starting week five. There's a stretch starting in week 14 where they go Philly. Really? I mean, we could start in week 13. Seattle. Good offense, but I think the Cowboys are plenty talented enough for that to not be a big issue. Seattle, Philly, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit, like in a five-week stretch from the end of November, from basically the week after Thanksgiving all the way through December to week 17. Like that, that stretch right there will probably put some things on tape that you will wind up seeing in the playoffs because those teams will probably have some success, especially, you know, you're in week 13, you know, it gets late in the year. Who knows what the injury situation is or what the standings look like, all that kind of stuff. But that's a stretch right there where we'll see some stuff from offenses that 
could legitimately cause you to say, okay, between play designers, freakish talents, they're going to score some points. Like the Bills are going to score some points because Josh Allen is a freak of nature. Like he'll he'll throw the ball. He'll probably throw five interceptions against the Cowboys that game, but he may also throw three or four touchdown passes because that's just the nature of that beast. And Miami, like you said, they're going to put up explosive plays. Mike McDaniel is a freaking madman, and I freaking love it. And uh, and then Detroit is really good too, but they'll probably sack Jer- Jared Goff fourteen times or something like that because that's just the way things work for them. But I, I just there's so much. The floor for this team for me is so high because of how incredible the defense is. Like, it's not that they're like, hey, they have a pretty good defense. They have an unbelievable defense. And that just sets the floor at like this massively high level that if this team scores 17, 20, 21 points, they're going to win. Yeah. Because I don't, there's not very many teams that I look at going, yeah, that team's going to put 24 on the Cowboys. You know, there's a, hand, a a few of those on the schedule this year. But they could probably average 17 points a game for the rest of the year and go and finish the year, you know, 12 and 5 or something like that at 17 points a game. Yep, I don't disagree with you. But, I mean, again, like we're – I hate to say it, but we're probably two more weeks away from like really – we haven't really done it yet, and it's really just been because of some of the matchups. And but like we're probably two weeks away from really diving into some of the X's and the O's of like, hey, this is what the Cowboys need to really be worried about. This is what you know they. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but like up until San Francisco rolls around, I mean, we'll probably get into some of that next week with the Patriots, just because while the Jets' defense is really good, the Patriots' defense is really good. I think that the Patriots are just a little bit more of a threat than the New York was, so we'll probably get into that a little bit more. But uh. So far, that's so good for the Cowboys. There's not been a whole lot of negative to talk about. There hasn't been a whole lot of worry to talk about. The crazy thing is this team is getting healthier. It sounds like Tyler Smith, Brandon Cooks, uh, Donovan Wilson, all three of those guys are looking to possibly make their season debuts uh, this coming up weekend against the Cardinals. Um, Not sure I'd – let me get your thoughts on that before we get out of here. Do you think you would you would you give those guys another week to make sure they're fully back, or would you go ahead and let them get a weekend to to knock some of that rust off? I mean, <laughs> that like it's so nuts. This team was down three starters this week. Three <laughs> starters, two of them on offense, and they scored thirty points against a great defense. Like, I'm telling you, I think I truly think I'd give all three of those dudes just one more week. I don't think I disagree with you. I mean, maybe maybe you play Tyler if he's ready just because I don't know what the situation with Chuma is. And so it's like, do you want to go into a game where your only option at left guard is TJ Bass, and then after that it's plug Awesome Richards and move TJ Bass to wherever else? Like, damn, TJ Bass looked good. <laughs> yes, for sure. But it's like – I sure as heck would feel better, especially knowing, you know, Zach's dealing with some stuff and, you know, he's going to play till you know, he's going to play if his legs are falling off. But uh, but he's dealing with some stuff, too. Like, maybe it makes more sense to bring Tyler back and give Zach a week. Yeah. And, and like, and do that. And then you go into New England with Tyler having a week to get his legs under him, Zach having a week off 
to kind of recuperate from everything he's dealing with right now that, you know, he could play at an all pro level with it, but you know, give, give him a week off, let TJ Bass play right guard. You're probably gonna be pretty good anyway. I don't think you're that worried about blocking this Cardinals front for four quarters. Like maybe that's an option, but it's, it's just nuts to me that like this team is down three starters. Like you only have 22 quote unquote starters. And this team is down three of them, like 15% of their starters. And they have a 70 to 10 combined score in two games, a freaking plus 60 point differential through two games with three starters having missed games. It's, it's bonkers. It is. It is. Um, yeah, that's we'll end it on a negative note since we've been way positive. These that's my only criticism. Like my actual criticism so far is like, man, I did not want to see Tony Pollard running into the back of Zach Martin's legs when it was thirty to ten, and there was three minutes left to go in that game. So, Mike, doing a great job, buddy. But hey, let's get those guys out. Uh, <laughs> let's let's get a TJ Bass and Seam Richards and Rico Dow and Deuce Vaughn some work when you're up. Uh, Three and a half, four possessions with three minutes to go, please, so we don't have any more roll-up scares. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things that, like, maybe, you know, maybe Chuma's ready to play this week, and maybe the second-half offensive line is, like, awesome Richards, uh, Chuma Adoga, Tyler Biotti, or Br- Bryce Hoffman, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, Bron- roll, yeah. out, roll out the second-unit offensive line in the fourth quarter against yeah, the Cardinals. And, and, and Trey Lance. <laughs> Yeah, and, and then keep make Trey Lance uh, a forty-six man backup, and uh, instead of being inactive, and and roll him out there in the fourth quarter for some live reps. Like let let's do it. Sounds like a plan, and we'll plan on being back next week on the Talk of the Star podcast. Like I said, we're we're hoping, thinking. You hate to say guaranteeing, but a uh, good good shot. We'll be on another high note uh, after week three. Heading into week four against the Patriots. And then, like I said, we, everybody's got that week five game against San Francisco circled right now on the calendars. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening. Um, I know RJ and the Blowing the Boys feed let, you know, put put up some pretty cool uh, statistics that the, the podcast has reached over these last couple months. So we want to thank everybody for, for subscribing and listening and downloading and doing all that stuff. Uh, we appreciate it a lot. So make sure you continue to do so. Uh, blogging the boys on whatever podcast feed you listen on just click subscribe you'll get all the different shows from all the different voices all the different people and all the different opinions we appreciate the support we appreciate everyone listening we'll be back next week on the talking star podcast see you then